Welcome to the first ever Mirror Football Podcast with me, Stan Collymore, Adrian Kajumba of the Mirror and Tom Hopkinson of the People. Don't forget to follow the transfer window live at mirror.co.uk forward slash football with all of the deals as they happen. Here are the headline transfers so far. Alexander Lacazette has joined the Gunners from Lyon. Is he an upgrade on Giroud? Will he score the goals to fire Arsenal into a title race this season? What about the champions of England, Chelsea? They've been busy with Alvaro Morata coming in for the departing Diego Costa. And Willy Caballero on a free from Manchester City. The Toffees have been incredibly busy this summer with Jordan Pickford, Michael Keane, David Klassen all wetting the appetite for the blue side of the city. But it's one signing more than all of them that got the headline writers purring. The deep dream return of the prodigal son Wayne Rooney back to his boiled club. One question we should all answer, will he be a success? What about the red side of the Mersey divide? Dom Solanke uh, and Mo Salah join the Redmen. I think there will be lots of goals but what about clean sheets? Have Liverpool done enough at the back? The Red Devils, having lost Rooney and perhaps Latan, have gone for my favourite player, Romelu Lukaku. Can he make the step up? Will Spurs buy anyone? Will Chikorito breathe life into the Hammers? And can Jay Rodriguez get back to the dynamic forward at West Brom that we saw before his horror injury at Southampton? This is the Mirror Transfer Podcast Special, the very first uh, across the season, uh, covering everything over the 44 weeks of the Premier League. With me, Stan Collymore, and with the people's Tom Hopkinson and the Mirror's Adrian Kajumba. Don't forget, all of the stories, rumours and done deals are at mirror.co.uk forward slash football. Join us. Come on! Gentlemen, welcome. Stanley. Tom. Good to see you. How are you? Adrian, how are you? I've, uh, I've first time I've met Adrian. Looking very smart, pal. Let's much. get straight into it if we can. Uh, the general transfer market. Uh, you tweet about it. You write about it. Um, is it getting out of hand now where we've got Carl Walker, very good right fullback, £50 million, potentially uh, Kieran and Bapp, £180 million, Neymar, £220 million. Um, start with Tom, what are your thoughts on the general market? Is it getting crazy? It's not getting crazy, it's been crazy for years now and it's just going to another level. I mean, absolutely no doubts about that. £196 million for Neymar. I think one of the, the questions we're going to talk about is whether um, that, that is good business. It's not good business. It's not good business for anyone in, in terms of what he's going to provide on the football field. The only way it's good business for PSG, if he indeed signs, is, is whether they can make it a commercial success, which of course a player of that stature they will. Same thing with Kylian Mbappe as well. £180 odd million pounds we're talking about, so £160 million pounds I think it is um, so he's got out of hand it's absolutely crazy when I see a player like Nathan Aki going from uh, Chelsea to Bournemouth for uh, 20 million pounds I think I would pay 5 million pounds well let Nathan me dive Aki. straight in there and ask you both hey, uh, on the back of what Tom's just said about it's already crazy I think it's crazy and I tweeted just before we came on air about you don't mind paying it for world class players because that's what they command PSG, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Manchester City will all argue that they could recoup that money back and it sells their brand but then when it drags up the prices of every poor and average player um, in the Premier League in the Championship, in, in Tier 2 leagues around Europe the question I'm going to ask you as a sports journalist is, is it unsustainable? Because it's not £180 million for one player, it's the several billion spread over Europe that is spent on, let's be perfectly honest, like Tom says, five, six million pound players from ten years ago that are now costing upwards of twenty or thirty. I mean, you'd think it would be unsustainable, but if you Richard Scudamore's been talking in the last week, saying that, you know, the Premier League has got, you know, a few more years of spending spending money and, and, and paying for players the way they are at the moment. And I think he talked about when Zidane went to Real Madrid 
and he was comparing the fraction of you know how much that was as a percentage wise and he was saying that's nothing on what Premier League clubs can do now so everyone thinking that the bubble's going to burst you know Richard Scudamore head of the Premier League is thinking not in terms of you know what we opened with um, is the transfer market going crazy I mean my view is now it's almost pointless looking at what what the, the transfer fees are the, the selling clubs are just seeing clubs come in certainly English clubs come in as well just demanding whatever they want the desperation for the player means a buying club has to pay I think now it's all literally about does that player deliver for that club does he help improve that team if he does it's worth it if not then you say he's overpriced Tom, Tom is there any rhyme or reason to the figures that, that I mean for example when I went from, from Nottingham Forest to Liverpool Nottingham Forest said this guy scored 50 goals in 68 games we've gone up from the championship we finished third in the Premier League uh, he's still under contract for another couple of years. You've got to play a, a pay a British transfer record fee. Okay, fine. But now it's it's not making. I mean, Carl Walker is this was the second best right back arguably at Tottenham Hotspur, but he is the most expe- uh, expensive British player ever. There doesn't seem to be even any reasoning no. in any a lot of the fees. No, no it's crazy. I mean, you, you think back, to, there's always these signings every sort of three or four years that seem to take transfer fees to another level and, and Walker is definitely one. I mean, Monaco looked at it, didn't they, and said, well, hang on, you're not having Mendy for 42 million. If Kyle Walker's worth 55, you can give us 54, 55 million for Mendy. So, and, and I think even Leicester's owners are talking about Riyad Mahrez saying, well, actually, if, if you know, you're not having him for 35 million now. If if uh, he's a you know he's a Premier League winner, Carl uh, Walker, yes, England international, finished runner-up in the Premier League, but he hasn't got that winner's medal. So every other team is looking at that Kyle Walker deal. What what's fascinating about what A just said, the, the Richard Scudamore quotes while they've been out in the uh, Barclays Asia Trophy, is Richard's obviously seen the the next level of rights. Now we're talking, we know what the rights are now, given the Sky deal, uh, the BT, the money BT. Of Do you think he knows football. what the next one is already? I, he's got an idea, and it, but he's also seen what people like Google people like Facebook Twitter, Twitter. the next generation of, of uh, people who are going to be broadcasting the football uh, the Premier League and the Football League he knows where that can keep going and that's why he says it's sustainable it's, it's frightening and, but I think you, you start throwing those money those, those sort of figures around for people like Daniel Levy and it's such fun and games for him because he's just going to start plucking even more incredible figures Right let's have a look at some of the deals let's start with that Carl uh, Walker one £50 million pounds, the most expensive British player of all time um, Aid, who's happier, Daniel Levy, Maurizio Pochettino, or Pep Guardiola, and why? Without meaning to sit on the fence, I think they're all happy. Daniel Levy for getting the fee, the fee he got. Kyle Walker for maybe getting out of there when he was unhappy towards the end of the season. Maurizio Pochettino will have a bit of money to play with, and Pep Guardiola will be happy because when he, well, not even when he first got there, before he first got there, he was. He was basically planning an overhaul of that squad. Smacks of panic, though, doesn't it? And well, was well, Walker his first, first choice? Was Mendy his first choice? I mean, lots of criticism from Man City fans that I saw last week. Uh, and the journalists, the local journos in the Manchester area, that have, that have held off giving any uh, Pep any grief in, in recent months. It's been like, we've let three or four full-backs go. We haven't brought anybody in. All of a sudden, we've thought within 48 hours, he's paying top well, dollar for, for full-backs. There, there is an element of, of panic in some ways. Cause I know City were very upset at losing out on Danny Alves and, and if you look at the timing yeah. of it they lost Danny Alves one day and then the next day they all of a sudden found the money you know to, to get Carl Walker out of City so there is some element of panic but what Carl Walker is is exactly the sort of fullback that Guardiola was planning to bring in 
you know, even before he was announced as a city manager, fast, can get up and down, you know, maybe not the best defensively, but offers so much going the other way. And if you look at Mendy as well, saw some stats yesterday about he'd, he'd set up more goals himself than all of City's fullbacks combined last year. That's the sort of, you know, pacey, powerful attacking fullback that Guardiola wanted. Would, would you have liked to have played against Kyle Walker? Um, yes, because I think if you're a technically very good player, you can move him into positions that he doesn't want to be in. But his pace always gets him out. I think that this is why a lot of Spurs fans are sitting back at the moment saying happy days. Because Kieran uh, Trippier is a better defensive fullback. He's not as quick as Carl Walker. He's better, cross- he's better at crossing. I mean, I actually got loads of stick for, for again, putting it on Twitter. I might have done it in one of our columns and saying Kieran Trippier is the, is, is the future of Spurs because he's got a better all-round game. Um, but I'll ask you the question. Who is happier, Tom, out of Daniel Levy, Poch, Pep? And the lad well, himself. I'm, I'm going to agree with Aid. I've sort of got this vision when when they're talking that that money. I've got this vision of them all going out for dinner that night with champagne glasses and clinking it because oh, no. every one of them has done absolutely well out of the deal. Spurs have saved a hundred odd grand a week uh, off the wage bill. They've given Trippier a new deal for about sixty thousand pounds a week. Uh, and arguably, as, as we've all said, we all agree. I think that he's as good, uh, if not better, in some respects than uh, than Kyle Walker. But I think you know, you look at that Manchester City defence. We all know that's been the problem. That was the problem last season. Now. Now, the lads who he's let go are all of a certain age as well. Is Kyle Walker an improvement on them? No, he's not. I mean, he cannot be an improvement on four players who have been as good as they are. But can he be as good as them? I think he can when he gets up. So, the, qu- so the next question is, we'll start off, we'll kick off with Manchester City. They brought in Mendy. Uh, you mentioned there about the stats, uh, assists, uh, very attacking fullback as he's Kyle Walker. Um, again, the, the, the criticism of Pep coming rounders has been can he put out teams that can defend properly the answer obviously last season was no John Stones didn't particularly kick on to the next level he had lots of different partners we had the Claudio Bravo situation time after time caught in possession of the ball or trying to play at the back um Pep Guardiola is very much known as a development coach. There's not much development going on here. I mean, I think since 2014, they've spent £300 million on defence, which a very clever tweeter put the other day is more than Croatia and uh, and one or two nations have spent on their armed forces in the last uh, few years. Um, is it an upgrade, Mendy and Walker? Tom says no. And is this doing anything to uphold the image of Pep is that he can take some 16 year olds from Barcelona or 18 year olds and turn them into a world class team is he just another checkbook manager um, it's, it's an upgrade um, in my opinion because of the type of football that Guardiola wants to play he can certainly now play that football better with his full backs that he's now got compared to the ones he had so in that sense for me is it, um, Walker, Mendy both upgrades as for the checkbook manager I mean it's, it's hard to argue that that he is that he isn't one, um, given the spending that's, that's gone on since he's been there. So can uh, we, we get rid of the ge- hashtag genius thing that every time they wallop somebody seven or eight nil that we're calling this bloke a genius? No, it's, it's unfair to to get rid of that because when he was at Barcelona, he did a fantastic yeah, job. Yeah, Messi. He had, look, he had a yeah, great Javi, he had Iniesta, Tom. So when you used to have well, a with the great respect, if, if you yeah, give us stand those players, we could manage we, them, couldn't we? we? Yeah, but when you used to come off a field having scored six goals against the team, so he can only put play what's put in front of it. He was given a squad, he worked with it, and he worked very well with it. Now at Manchester City, he's not got the same sort of squad. It's fair to say, has it? Mm. Uh, Barcelona and arguably at Bayern Munich at the moment but I think I, I think absolutely right he, he wasn't a checkbook manager at Barcelona he is at Manchester City and I think the other thing is as well he hasn't got the time to, to wait and develop well he you wants know, wait, it wait. he's talked about no, having six, mean, three, four, five, six year contracts he'll be looking at uh, <laughs> Jurgen Klopp's contracts and saying it's going to take me a decade to get this right you <laughs> know what he, they're he like has, he hasn't got time for a Phil Foden to come through a Jadon Sancho he's got to deliver straight away and even more so after last year 
City have got to win Right, the very briefly, where are they going to finish this season coming up? Very difficult to say because we're still in pre-season. Yeah, still but pre-season. Still where should they be aiming? In well, they've got to be aiming for yeah. first, the money they've spent. But are they going to finish there? I'd, I'd, and even that Champions League title as well, possibly. But, but do you know what? I, I don't think if they, if they finish top three, and it depends. It all depends on the points, it depends how close they go, I don't think that's failure if they finish top three. OK, let's move on to the Gunners. Alexander Lacazette has joined them from Lyon. Um, Olivier Giroud's had a very good pre-season, there's been lots of reports. John Cross, of course, has been out there following Arsenal around, and I was listening to him the other day, very glowing in his reports. Um, and I guess that, that will lead into Tottenham Hotspur a little bit later. But freshening up the dressing room in key positions, not only do you get a new player, but you're also so giving a little bit elbow to the players that are already there that need to book up a little bit. Um, Alexandra Lacazette, um, alongside the likes of Morata, alongside the likes of Aguero, uh, Harry Kane, uh, Romelu Lukaku, um, good bit of business for Arsenal. Adrian first. A uh, good bit in the sense of they needed a striker. You, Giroud has had a lot of, you know, he's had many, many chances, had a lot of time at Arsenal to prove whether he can take them, take them up, up a level, basically win them back the title. I think. What we've seen from Giroud is in those bigger games, when you get those one, when you get that one chance, he's he's been found wanting. So they did need to address that situation. They've gone for Lacazette. Um, I think he's pretty much a one in two record. Mm. He's he's got in France. Um, he's clearly a finisher. Arsenal create so many chances. I mean, um, you'd have a one in two record in France, though. Stand to be one in one, I think. I, I guess the question is though, is that that you know, again, in pre-season, he's he's looked very sharp. Um, does it matter who Arsenal buy? Is this never going to be an Arsenal on the pitch problem? It's going to be an Arsene Wenger for as long as he stays at the club. Doesn't quite have the mojo anymore. Doesn't have the spite of a, of a Jose Mourinho. Doesn't have the youthfulness of a, of a Pep Guardiola or a Jurgen Klopp to actually get the best of, uh, out of whoever he puts on the pitch. You, you and I have had this debate a lot, Stan. And I, I, know, I know you think that it won't ever change while Wenger's there. I was so in the Wenger camp and, and thought he should stay all the way through until the Bayern Munich games and, and I'm sorry to lose 10-2 in, in, over two games fixtures of those magnitude it, it just smacked you absolutely you know, so you is like, anything going to change Tom? no Absolutely not. What I do, what I like about the Lacazette signing, I still I think he's very much the bridesmaid of, of the signings this summer. You know, if you look at the likes of uh, Morata coming in, Lukaku going to United. What I like about it is he, he did start off as a, a winger, so they have got the ability to change things around a little bit and and put him out on the wing. Use Giroud. I think Giroud is completely underrated. I know so many Arsenal fans have been on his back. Hey, he's got a great point though. Doesn't do it in the biggest of games. Sometimes looks a little bit lumbering. Well, sometimes he, takes two or three. I mean, particularly I, in Champions I League. I think football. the thing is as well with Giroud and. and the about the big game accusation obviously he's been thrown at Lukaku as well but what, what you'll find if you watch some of those big games over the years is he'll get that one chance and he'll miss it so it's not even just looking over his, his record it's so it's conversion yeah, rates in the biggest of games which you know that somebody like an Aguero too, is going to do too many times it's fallen to him and he's missed it right so if Lacazette can play left, right, centre um, lots of the other speculation we'll come to the other strikers in a minute because I love talking about uh, strikers and of course the other clubs and what they have uh, done in terms of their business where does this leave Alexis Sanchez he's been Moody, he's chucked his arms down on the pitch a couple of times. He's incredibly hard working. I was at the Confederations Cup in the in the summer watching his Chile side, their golden generation, trying to get a sort of major world trophy, which didn't quite happen for them against a very good German team, which we're going to uh, be reading a lot about, I feel, in the next few years. Where does this leave Alexis? Is he going to get his head down and stay? Or do we expect 
a blockbuster deal. I mean, there's talk, of course, that PSG might go for Neymar and him. Do you expect him to, to take the field for Arsenal in the first game? Or if not the first game, do you expect him to still be here when the window shuts? I, I think he'll... he'll take the field for the first game but I, if I was Arsenal I'd sell him you know I mean there, there was that period last year when his arms were over his body language was terrible staring at teammates if a pass was misplaced and I just oh, if I was Arsenal Wenger I'd be looking at that saying if we can get 50 million for this lad let's get him out let's try and get Lamar in and I think that represents I know Crossy's written about this actually uh, while he's been out in Australia and, and it, I think that would be a really good bit of business 50 mil yeah, uh, one year left on his contract. Year left on his contract, so that obviously compounds it. But do you think that Arsenal might even hang on and hang, look at some of the fees, particularly if something like Mbappe goes? They'll say, well, you know, if you're one of the PSG or or you know Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, whoever it is, that's rumoured to be sniffing around him, would they hold out and hold out and eventually not be able to get a, a deal done till January? Could they cut their nose off to spite their face? Well, they could do if they if they gamble like that. I mean, that's that's the, the business dilemma that they've got, as well as having a potential unhappy player if they keep him against his will, because you know Sanchez has been telling people that he wants to go. But that's that's the business dilemma for Arsenal. Do they just take the money? And and even if they try and delay it and, and turn it into a bit of a saga, you know, once the bids start coming in, you end up possibly doing what Real Madrid did with Morata and Man United, and then asking for too much, and then them walking away. So you know, once those bids start coming in, that's that's the, the, the longer the closer it goes towards August the thirty first, the the less uh, of control Arsenal have got over that situation. Uh, where are we expecting Arsenal to finish? Because a um, lot more competition, a lot more spending, as we've seen with some of the other clubs, particularly in forward positions. Will come to Man United and their uh, uh, purchase of Romelu Lukaku. Um, add Lacazette into the team. Let's say for now that um, Alexis Sanchez starts the season. Um, where are we expecting them to be? Could this be the season that they that they, you know, have a real struggle and majorly drop out of the top four, or can we expect them to be in a title race, or will it be a great start again and we'll be talking about the collapse <laughs> come January, yeah. February time? Is it going to be groundhog season again for the of Gunners? Of course, it's going to be groundhog season again. You know, they'll be doing well till. Well, they'll have a patch, won't they? And then they'll have a bad patch, and then they'll have a good spell, and, and they'll be there and thereabouts, and then they'll drop away as they always. Where do. will they be in the league, roughly? I, I, Where should they I, be aiming? I, I, I think I'm afraid I think it's going to be another fifth or sixth this year for us. I mean, they, they should be going for the title, but I just think, you know, with the, the question marks over Sanchez, and, and even if they sell Sanchez and get Lamar in, it leaves them pretty much, you know, where they were last season. So. I think they could miss out again as well. Right, let's move from North London to West London. The champions of England, Chelsea, been very busy. You've got this weird situation. Again, we will come to Romelu Lukaku. I can't wait to talk about him because he's one of my favourite players. I had a really nice uh, message from him on Twitter, uh, a direct message, because I said, uh, well done, big move, and I'll tell you what he said uh, shortly. But um, weird situation because Chelsea were rumoured to be going back in for Lukaku and Man United for Morata. Um, we did a column, Tom, last week about who's better now and maybe in the future. For me, if Romelu Lukaku enhances his inner Roy Keane, in other words, becomes nasty, and I saw him do it once at Goodison against Liverpool, and he turned on the halfway line, he ran at the, di- and he, you could see the terror doesn't do it enough, but that's what Lukaku will come to him. Uh, Morata. Arguments against, hasn't played loads of games for Real Madrid. Uh, arguments for is that he plays for Spain. He does play for Real Madrid. The pressure is has always been on. He scored 20 goals last season in all competitions. Um, hey, let's start with you. Is this a good bit of business? Have Chelsea got 
a top quality striker that we could be caught talking about in the same vein as a Didier Drogba or is this going to be a Shevchenko or is this going to be somewhere in between a, a Diego Costa? I think they've got one who could potentially be a, among the better names you mentioned there, Drogba. I mean, if you look at what he did do at Madrid last year, um, you know, with the limited time he had. Um, a goal every 73 yeah, yeah, get, uh, think, minutes or something. I think it's one of those signings where you'd be, you know, your glass will be half full. You can't be, you can't be certain that it's going to pay off and come off. But at the moment, given given what you've seen of him at Juventus, the impact he had on their run to the Champions League final and what he did last year, and, and obviously the fact, he, you know, his desperation to work for Conte and, and Conte obviously wanted him before he, he left and took the Italy job. It, it's one you kind of, you start the season and you're not writing him off. You kind of, if you're a Chelsea fan, you're hoping and you're a little bit more confident that it might pay off. I hope he brings a bit of spite with him as well because I, I love that in Costa. I mean, he was, you know, the theatrical value of him, the entertainment factor was just incredible. And I think as, as a Premier League and as fans of the Premier League, we're really going to miss that. So I'm hoping that uh, Maratta brings up, we're forgetting what he did at Juventus as well, he scored goals at Juventus. So I, I think he's an excellent signing. He's, he's been waiting for a platform. Now he's got one. Yeah. He's got the number nine shirt. He's going to be Chelsea's main striker when you know whenever Costa goes. So now's your chance. Something I want to talk about very, very briefly. Um, that Chelsea have a lot of players, and I can't, still can't get my head around it as a former professional footballer and now broadcaster, is that Chelsea have these underage group players that, that win you know European Champions Leagues and domestic tournaments, FA Youth Cups, heavily involved a lot of them with the England underage groups. Um, is this a case of, of Antonio Conte cannot afford to bring through three or four or five en masse and let them have their equivalent of the Busby Babes, the class of 92? Because it seems ridiculous that a club like Chelsea is developing players, another column that we did, but everybody else seems to be getting the benefit, benefit from them. They're still buying off the peg talent I mean, they tried last year didn't they I mean uh, Chalabar got games albeit off the bench Loftus-Cheek got a game here and there and of course where are they both but they this get year? two or three games at a time don't they like Gael Kakuta, they get three or four games if they don't and, do it in and, those three or four McEachran games as well. I remember seeing McEachran on pre-season yeah. years ago he was an incredible player to watch to watch McEachran the, the balance of him he was a bit like watching a downhill skier you know only the, from his, his hips down that was all that worked and you, you're looking at this lad thinking you, you're a stunning footballer and then he doesn't make it but I remember speaking to, to someone uh, at Chelsea one of, the, one of the players one of the senior pros there a few years ago and he was telling us how just how difficult it is for the likes of Bamford coming through and those lads. You can they can recognise and you'll know this from from when you you were a mm. when you were coming through, but also when you're at Liverpool, you'll have seen one or two of the younger lads uh, playing down at Melwood training. But Michael Owen, Stephen Gerrard, but they went but straight through straight the away. system and yeah, came but, into the first team and played but, but the requisite amount were, of games. They were how many Stephen Gerrards and Michael Owens and Robbie Fowlers are we a Chelsea hampering? But, but how many are because of the the latest um, loan to Vitesse Arnhem or to? They're never going to get the chance to to shine, surely. No, of course, but but you know how many? I mean, how many Gerrards and Owens are there across the country? I mean, these are exceptional talents, and also it's hard to argue with Roman Abramovich's record. Was it mm. fourteen trophies since he came to the club, which is the same as Manchester United in that period? So it depends what you want to do. If you want to be that that organic club who grows players as, as United were had the luxury of doing in in the Ferguson years, um, but how often you know how often is a batch of six players going to come through as well like that? And and it's it's very difficult and. And particularly, we only have to look at Antonio Conte's um, contract. They've, they've given him more money, but they've not extended the term because he knows he's realistically going to have a maximum of two years, maybe three years at Chelsea. Even if things go well for two years and then drop off in that third year, he'll be gone at the end of it. So what's the point in playing the young lads coming through if, if his whole contract for the future is going to... 
care on it. You talk about um, you know players at Chelsea coming through like Owen and Gerrard did at teenagers. I remember speaking to, to Patrick Bamford a couple of years ago when he was alone, I think at Palace from Chelsea, um, and he was saying that you know when he first went there at 16, he was sort of told that Chelsea don't expect their young players to be ready for the first team until 22, 23. I was reading some comments from Neil Barth. He said, you know, he expects them to have a certain amount of games, which again, you know, senior games when they go out on loan, which again would only make them ready at that sort of age. So I can't see a teenager coming through from Chelsea Academy again. In what a massive pity, though, for club and for country that that because they've set that bar at 22, 23, which probably explain, explains why they're going out and getting experience on loans. Well, you is did that, didn't you? It, it, it did, but... You, know, you, you, you cannot help but think down. of Stephen Gerrard at 17, 18 being ready or Michael Owen being ready at 18, Robbie Fowler scoring 30 goals while he was a, mm. a teenager. Let's say they wait those extra four or five years, they might not have the impetus. They might have gone on five or six loans. They might have lived in five or six different apartments yeah. and not had that feeling but, but, of being at a club. David which Beckham is, did it as well, didn't he? He, he, yeah. he was loaned out. John Terry was loaned out as well. You know, it does. The, system, the loan system can, can work. Uh, and it can work very well because these lads not only do they get brought through with the Chelsea mentality they get to use those incredible facilities but then they do go out on loan so they experience different cultures at, at places like Arnhem or they go on loan to where have they gone this year Swansea yeah, uh, Crystal Palace Watford so they're going to be working with different left, yeah, uh, working with uh, different managers so it can work but I mean it's probably a whole other I think, I think podcast Chal- debate isn't it the loan Ch- Chalibor will be very interesting because he's only just left and if you know, you've know got Gareth Southgate looking at him if he ends up getting an England squad after a year away from Chelsea having been an option for them in their first team last year that'll be a bit of an acid test no, maybe because you know they, because he's, he's not going to play ahead of Kante is he and um, Bakayoko well, right we're, we're going to end that one there we can talk about that one all day we've got loads to get through um, Liverpool uh, talking about young players Dom Solanke another mm. you know, former Chelsea uh, player has been bought at Liverpool scored a cracking goal in, uh, in one of their pre-season games um, Mo Salah Mane Coutinho Origi Firmino Solanke Going to score lots of goals. I think we probably agree with that. Got lots of options. No Cater, no Virgil van Dijk. Are we expecting these deals to be done in double quick time? And if they don't, does the signings that they've made in the front part of the team uh, aren't quite negated by the fact that they still haven't upgraded the defence? Adrian? Not, not expecting Cater. Uh, from, from what I'm told, Leipzig is saying no, no chance of selling one of their starting 11 players. And, and you know Southampton similarly adamant on Van Dijk not only are they, they, do they not want to sell him they certainly don't want to sell him to Liverpool after obviously what happened earlier on in the summer um, as for what they got up top you know the addition of Salah gives them Mohamed Salah gives them another you know really fluid you know players outrageous fluid, pace as well one in yeah, two he scored in fluid. Italy didn't he for Fiorentina yeah, but yeah. does all of that matter if they're scoring you know I mean I played in teams that, that Liverpool teams that you know four yeah. threes and what have you Winning titles, it's going to be what Chelsea have done and, and the great Manchester United side scoring two, you know, conceding none. Could you go into a, a season and put any money on Liverpool winning the title if they weren't to upgrade their back four or five? No, I mean, two goalkeepers that have been under a lot of pressure. Goal, goalkeepers have been central under a lot defenders. Of pressure. I mean, Lovren Lop- signed a new contract, been under major pressure to mm. perform. James Milner playing at left fullback. They brought in Andy Robertson. Remains to be seen whether he can take the step up. You know, a steady Eddie. Um, have Liverpool done enough? Do you expect them to to to, to look at other avenues if Cater and, and Virgil Van Dijk aren't they've, they've not done enough for sure because the, you, you know you do uh, Dayan Lovren and Joel Matip two very good central defenders. But there needs to be there does need to be another player to come in and either play alongside them in a three. Um, I suspect Klopp wouldn't go down that route anyway. But someone certainly someone to put pressure on them and um, and, and and take you know play some games. And Van Dijk would be a very 
very good signing. Um, I think that will happen. I disagree with Aid actually. I just think that's posturing from Southampton. I think it's posturing from Liverpool now, who seem to be trying to put the ball back into. Will uh, be another zero on the end of it, just soften uh, the blow. Uh, maybe coming on another zero might, might be another number yeah. up at the start. But um, yeah, I, mean, I, I think that's all it is, isn't it? You know. But I, I think Robertson. If you look at Robertson's stats, I think I'm right in saying that he didn't. There wasn't one shot on goal uh, came from down his side of the field last season <laughs> in a team that is getting relegated that's pretty good going now bear in mind he'll be playing with far superior players at Liverpool than he did at, at Hull um, I would expect him to do very well it's been a problem area as well um, but you're absolutely right they, they need to shore right, up I'll defense. ask you both very briefly are we expecting Liverpool to score lots of goals but if they don't upgrade the defence they're going to concede lots of goals and that will, will that hamper them where we're expecting them to perhaps be in the Premier League this season Tom yeah it will it will I, I, I think they, they need to bring in Van Dijk if they get Van Dijk then I think they've got a shot at the top four. Yeah, yeah, it will hamper them. And I think the fact that those two targets are such big targets would suggest, you know, it kind of underlines how important positions they are for, for Klopp. So he must have, you know, plan B, plan C behind them as well. Kaita might want to work on his tackling, by the way, from what we've seen in pre I was going to say, there are lots of memes of that going around. Let's look at two clubs, one Tottenham Hotspur. Um, seeing lots of Spurs fans starting to get a little bit nervous, a little bit jittery, a bit edgy. They've brought in £50 million from the sale of a right back. But as yet, not really brought anybody in, and certainly not brought anybody in that uh, that would um, uh, freshen up the dressing room, um, take the team onto the next level. Maybe a marquee signing to get to, to say to these younger players, "Let's now go on and win." Is this if we're giving Daniel Levy the plaudits for bringing in lots of cash and being a hard taskmaster when it comes to the business side of the club? Um, with a manager that doesn't go knocking his door saying we want 50, 60, 100 million players that likes to develop players, the question I'll ask you, Adrian uh, Kajumper, is is Daniel Levy relying on the fact that he's got a manager that won't go in and make demands and being quite happy that the Spurs bank balance at the moment isn't being eroded? In some ways, that's the, he's the ideal manager for uh, for Levy because he's not, he's not going to be a Czech manager, the phrase we used earlier on for Guardiola. Um, a lot to be said for Pochettino and the way he works, uh, his philosophy and the things he can do, which is quite clearly improve players. You look at some of those players he's worked with at Southampton um, and Spurs, he can improve them on the training ground. Can he improve them to first in the Premier League with all the spending around it? It's everything's in context. Getting Southampton or an Everton with the greatest respect to all those great clubs, a West Ham, you develop players and fans are going, oh great, he's one of our own, he's one of our own. It, the, the cry goes around White Hart Lane. Surely now, going to Wembley, Back in the Champions League, they've progressed year on year. Great new manager, you know, the new kit, harking back to the, the, the Jimmy Greaves era. Um, the expectation now is, it's got to be title, hasn't it? Yeah, and that's, and that's, the, that's the challenge. But Spurs' big problem is their first eleven is is so good. I mean, Trippier may be the slight downgrade on Walker now. Um, and Son is maybe the only other player I look at you think maybe they could upgrade him in their first eleven. So that's their problem. They're trying to buy players telling them you're going to be playing second fiddle to Harry Kane or you're going to be behind Vertonghen and Alderweireld. It is very difficult for Spurs to, to go out and buy a big name that's going to appease the fans because of the, you know, because of the setup of their first If, if you were a manager and, yeah. and, and you'd, you'd gone out this year and you were offered Murata, Lukaku or Harry Kane, who would you sign? Personally, Lukaku is his favourite. All for the same money. Yeah, but they're all going to score goals, you would think. It would be probably Lukaku, then Kane, or Kane and Lukaku in that order, and, and Morata would, would come third in the list. The question I'll ask you, Tom, about Spurs. Um, Wembley didn't treat them very well in the Europa League and the Champions League last season. Um, they've got to, Every team going there, is, they've guaranteed a cup final, at the very least. It's the, the, the national stadium. 
by not adding to the squad, um, are Spurs just doing what Arsenal have done and uh, we've been critical of over the last 20 years, which is just doing enough to stay in the top four? Right. Do they really want to win it? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, yeah, I think, of course, they, they really want to win it. And I, I think Pochettino, you know, Aidan and I, we, we speak to him regularly, don't we, at his press conferences. And there can be absolutely no denying that, you know, this man is an absolute winner and will, will like, as, as any person who's played football for Argentina would pretty much win at all costs if he could but um, you've got they've got to get that balance right with Daniel Levy now improving that that team as, as Aids just said improving that team is very difficult you know are there many better number 10s or potential number 10s out there than Deli Alley? Is there many better strikers out there than Harry Kane, Alderweireld in defence, Hugo Lloris? I mean, you're going to have to bring in a pretty unbelievable goalkeeper. Yeah, but this, to... surely the argument for not pushing a squad forward isn't that the fact that your first eleven and, and, and Adrian alluded to it, and lots of people that tweet about it. It's like, well, who's going to want to come as deputy to Harry Kane? Stan, we're not going to be able to get as Latin Ibrahimovic. Surely you've got to at least ask the question rather than going out and saying, well, let's take a punt on a Vincent Janssen that blatantly hasn't worked yet. Yeah, yeah. But, I'm, but I'm, this and let's be honest, Sod's law dictates that Harry Kane has had two injuries over the last couple of. Years. Years. There's nothing to say. He won't be. No, able of course. To I mean, that's a season. good point. But would, would it surprise you? You know, I mean, I, we know how much money there is in the Premier League at the moment. Would it surprise you if, in four or five years' time, we had the same thing that we had with Arsene Wenger when he said, "Well, actually, we didn't say it at the time, but there wasn't much money available because of the the move, because of the stadium, uh, and everything like that." I, I think I think Spurs could be severely hampered this year by that. Where they're going to finish, Tom? Uh, five, four or five, I think. Yeah, top four, top four. I think they'll, they'll squeak. I, I, I'm very concerned about it. You know, having said that, I'm concerned about the impact that Wembley move is going to have on them. Right, let's rattle through uh, finally some things quickly. Uh, it's not often we uh, we briefly touch upon Manchester United, uh, but we will. Romelu Lukaku has come in. Uh, they're in the Champions League, of course, having won the Europa League. Uh, no Zlatan. Rooney goes through the way. We'll touch upon him again shortly. Um, have Manchester United in Romelu Lukaku, a man that sits all the benchmarks for his age in the Premier League, couldn't have done any more. Is there any legitimate argument that there is still a nagging doubt that against like of Barcelona, Real Madrid, perhaps against Manchester City in a derby that means something, that he still has something to prove, or have they bought the real deal? Adrian Kajumba. Oh, I mean, yeah, he's got something to prove because he's never he's never played at that level. So until he has this season, he's first in the Champions League. Only after this can you tell. Um, yeah, he's had the as, as I talked about before the accusations about how he does it in the big games. I don't think he's, his record in the Premier League is, is too bad against the big sides. I think it was you know four or five goals last year spread over the games against the big sides. So it's a case of just just wait and see. Let's see how he gets on when he when he tries it. Do you think he'll get more with the likes of Mkhitaryan, Juan Mata, and Martial? I mean, he, he, he should do, shouldn't he? he? But one of the, the things I remember one of the, the first column last year that we wrote Tom was that, and you asked me about teams hitting the ground running, is, is Mourinho finding his best 11 and the best 11 that all work together? He had problems with that all the way through the season, putting teams away at Old Trafford. He's bought in Lukaku, who's obviously going to play him. Where's Pogba's role going to be? He's still got all these attacking players. Lingard as well comes into it. Could we still have a situation in the first couple of months of the season where he's... He's finding out what his best front four, five is. I don't think he should have this year. I don't think there are any excuses for him. I think last year you could forgive him a little bit for, for having a look, for playing around with it, for tinkering. This year, I don't think there are. He's had the whole summer to work with it. He, he's got Lukaku in. He's got some incredible players to provide the ammunition for Lukaku. But I'd be interested, what do you think of Lukaku? Because I know you love him. But Amazing. He's, he's, I just, I just has wanna, he got the mentality Well, that's the thing. It's, like, it's, you know, it's, the, it's the same arguments that, that used to be levelled at Emil Heskey. I and mean, I played with Emil for a couple of games at Leicester 
Manchester and he, he came to me and said, what do you think about Liverpool? I said, if, you, if they come knocking, you should go. And he went. And his goals record was decent, but everybody was, always said he wasn't you know, angry enough. He was always a nice guy. And that could be levelled at many, many strikers across, across the years. But you do wonder if Lukaku had a quarter of what Diego Costa had in terms of his spite. He's unstoppable. I mean, he is unstoppable. His goal in the, the game in Salt Lake City the other day, you know, ball over the top, goalkeepers in no man's land, takes it round, really good finish. But Evertonians do have a point, and I did put it out there, that he does have those. He's either 9 out of 10, and then he'll have a couple of 5 out of 10. At Manchester United, you can't be having 5 out of 10 games because you'll find yourself out of the team, particularly with Jose Mourinho. Exactly, that's 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 what I was going to say. He can't afford to let his standards drop now. I don't think Mourinho will let him. He, he, if you listen to Romelu Lukaku interviews over the last couple of years, this is the chance that he's almost been, been itching for. He's almost talked himself into the situation in some ways. He's just been saying, this, this is the stage, this is the level I should be at. You listen to his interviews, he, he talks like somebody determined to improve every day and to improve him and to prove himself at this level. So. What's the big club pressure like, though? I mean, Massive. That, that's, that's what I mean. They were, I mean, the fans will actually give... I was thinking about this the other day. The fans will give him a lot longer yeah. than Mourinho will. But Mourinho won't have him having three poor games on the trot. He just won't. Because he'll bring somebody else in. He'll bring Rashford in. I was going to say Rash- Rashford or Lukaku. So, well, I mean... Rashford's got plenty to prove. I mean, if he if he scores the amount of goals in his underage years as as Lukaku has done, then we're we're talking about a, a, a top quality talent that himself will potentially be on the radar of the Real Madrid's, Barcelona's, Bayern Munich's. But that's down the line. But I think that Jose Mourinho has probably put his arm around Lukaku and said, "I want to see this extra come out of you because if you're not, look at those guys there; they'll be champing at the bit." So finishing off about Romelu Lukaku. So I um, I. DM'd him. We've been chatting for a number of years now since he was a youngster. First time I ever DM'd him was after the Super Cup final, was it, where he yeah. missed a penalty? Yeah, and then they went off and he landed. got absolute pelters yeah. by everybody. And I think he got hung out to dry, uh, to be quite simple. Um, so ever since then, I've always tried to, you know, it makes no difference to me, but he's always followed me and, and, and said nice things. So I said. Congratulations, big guy. Enjoy the step up to a huge club. Be aggressive, be greedy, and be ruthless. It's all there for you now. And he sent me a lovely message back saying, Thank you. I'll give everything I've got every day and work hard as I can. I've been waiting for this my whole life. Thank you for the message. That was very nice. So he's ready. He just needs to do it now. Right, I want to finally uh, go out of ten. Quick fire round um, on some of the other signings. Um... West Ham United have been busy. Uh, Joe Hart, Pablo Zabaleta, Chikorito, uh, Marco Arnautovic. Let's go through those very uh, briefly. Joe Hart out of ten. Tom Hopkinson. Nine. Do you want me to back that up? Please. Uh, Premier League winner. England international. Bags of experience. Wasn't great last year against Tur- uh, for Torino. Well, it uh, wasn't great, but I, I think you know new league, new culture, settling in, uh, new teammates. But I think he comes to West Ham. I think he's back in the Premier League, a league he knows very well. Uh, he's got the physicality to handle it, and I think he'll be a massive, massive figure in that West Ham dressing Pablo room. Pablo Zabaleta, six, seven. You know, experience. Experience. Yes, Sam Byron was doing okay. I think towards the end of the year, but. You know, similar to Joe Hart. You know, they're, they're both at City at the same same time. So, trophy winning experience, a big game experience. Um, you know, towards the end of his time at City, you're wondering about his fitness and whether his, his legs were, were going a little bit. So, I wouldn't be going as high as Joe Hart. I want to stay with you on another player who's just signed uh, recently, Chicharito. Great goal scoring record. My criticism as a former striker, and this was evident at Manchester United, which is why they let him go. Not a line leader, uh, very much a, a, an inbox goal scorer. Could you see him playing with Andy Carroll? Could you see Andy Carroll being surplus to requirements? 
because if he plays up front on his own, Man United fans will tell you that eventually what happened was is that the ball kept on coming back off him, so he wasn't a very good platform to build from, and that is an important part of a team. Um, your thoughts on uh, Chikorito? Big signing for for West Ham United. Will breathe a little bit of confidence into the club after last season. Yeah, he might well end up having to play quite a lot on his own because of Andy Carroll's injury record. But he does give them an option um, to play to when Carroll's fit, because obviously Billich went to three at the back um, lot towards the mm. end of the last season, and that worked well. Um, so you know, then that he then has the option to play two up front, which would suit Chikorito better. I mean, of we've all watched him so much and I just find that sometimes he can drift in and out of games but you give him a chance and he'll take it West Ham have, have needed uh, somebody who can stay fit and play up top there that's been one of their biggest problems over the last sort of, couple of years I would say Chikorito a nine given what, they, given what they've needed and the experience that he brings uh, knowledge of the Premier League and sort of internationally you know, he's record and pedigree speaking, so. and finally Tom on West Ham uh, Marco Anortovic um, Charlie Adams said uh, the lad's got the talent to go and play for a top club but he's gone to West Ham <laughs> um, uh, damning with faint praise well he's a 9 out of 10 for one week and then 5 out of 10 for the next 3 isn't he that's the problem with Arnautovic. Um he, he was playing for Stoke and we know that no one likes to go and play at Stoke uh, every week so uh, but I, I just I, I think he I think he's a good signing because he's a step up on he's an upgrade certainly on the talents that West Ham have had and I think he was now got the likes of Zabaleta the likes of Joe Hart the likes of Fernandez in that dressing room and they will manage that dressing room which for the last couple of years has had its problems and I think the experience and the standards they set will keep the likes of Arnautovic in line Right I'm going to uh, do what they did on the uh, the news all those years ago and finally we cannot do a transfer big stories big football stories on uh, on the mirror and the people without talking about perhaps not the biggest in terms of money uh, although he'll be earning a few quid um, but the poster boy, the last 15 years in the Premier League has been arguably the Wayne Rooney period. He's won everything there is to win at Manchester United. Um, couldn't help but feel when it kind of it was announced. I think that Everton announced it in a very sort of positive way. Manchester United, thank you, legend, etc., etc. It was a feel-good story. Uh, the question I want to ask you both is: is can he compete for Everton? Will we have a situation whereby? Ronald Koeman will be const, uh, constantly asked questions about him if he's not playing. Will he go again, etc., etc.? Could that damage the what Everton are trying to do? And is this the best player at this stage in his career, with everything he's achieved, to bring through the likes of Pickford and Keane and some of these younger players that uh, that Everton have brought? Adrian Kajumba, you start us off on Rooney. I must admit, at first I was. A little bit surprised because he didn't seem to fit in with what else Ronald Koeman has been doing very generally since he actually got to Everton, which is reducing the age of that squad and bringing in young, fresh, pacey, you know, quick sort of players. And then Rooney comes in the middle of it, and I was, you know, I was a little bit unsure about it. But I spoke to, to Phil Neville at an event uh, about ten days ago, and he was selling a deal as, um, you know, the experience that he's going to bring, the ability to shoulder the responsibility of trying to win Everton's first trophy since 1995, and it kind of made me look at the deal a slightly different way. That that experience, um, you, you can't. Oh, so you can't buy the headboard. But you know that experience that Rooney's got. It would be such a, a valuable addition to that squad as Koeman tries to take them up. You know the next next few levels. Tom, you and I have spoken about this, Stan, a lot in recent weeks, and I, I think 
you made the point to me that it's when when you're a player who is looking to join Everton, you might have a choice of joining Everton, maybe Liverpool, maybe one or two other clubs. And you see someone like Wayne Rooney in that dressing room, and you start thinking to yourself, actually, do you know what? I fancy going to play alongside him. He's a he's a lad that when I was 13 or 14, I really enjoyed watching. He was my hero. You know, I'm going to go and sit in that dressing room with him. I think. They've also got Jagielka, they've got Ashley Williams, so two... Gareth Barry. Uh, well, yeah, I was going to say, but I think Gareth will yeah. leave in the next few weeks. I think that, that will go through to either, uh, I think West Brom are in for him, Burnley have had a look round at him as well. Um, but they they just, that extra bit of experience in that dressing room to bring the likes of Tom Davis through, Calvert-Lewin again, another another youngster. For these lads to see the standards that he sets, it doesn't have to be the standards he sets on the field, but it's the standards he sets day after day in training. And when they see that, I think they can be... And personally on Wayne Rooney, one of the all-time English football greats? Yeah. Absolutely. The question about Manchester United's all-time record goal scorer and England's all-time record goal scorer, I think it answers itself. All it leaves me to say is a massive uh, thank you from uh, Tom Hopkinson uh, to Tom Hopkinson of the people and Adrian Kajumba of the Mirror uh, for joining us on this uh, first uh, groundbreaking uh, Mirror um, football podcast. Hopefully many more to come during the season. Don't forget to follow the transfer window live at mirror.co.uk forward slash football with all of the deals as they happen. Follow all of the accounts. Don't forget Mirror Rosette, Mirror Football on uh, Twitter and uh, we'll see you later. Enjoy. <laughs>